the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. It's the King Banyan Show. How about a fresca? Your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. He's a strange doctor. Strange doctor. We finally made it to campus. That's pathetic. Welcome, King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440. Uh, so glad to be with you. Thank you for your patience last week. I had to take a little time away. I, and I, I'll, let me tell you briefly about that, and then tell you why we're doing what we're doing on the show today as well. I took time away. I, for the very first time since COVID started, I got on a plane. Uh, yeah, it's a little... It, it, I can tell you... there. I f- used to fly a lot on uh, for for work. Um, I had a consulting practice for some time. Uh, people, if you're new to the show, uh, welcome. Uh, besides being dean of the School of Public Affairs here at Saint Cloud State for some time, I worked as a as a consultant who did work overseas, particularly with countries going through transition from uh, the uh, Soviet system, uh, places like Armenia and Ukraine, and to some extent uh, areas in in Eastern Europe, such as uh, uh, what's now called North Macedonia, uh, as well as a few other places. But anyway, um, I was on the plane a lot, and I get very—I was very blasé, and I pack a bag. I can pack a bag to get on a plane for a weekend in about fifteen minutes, and people look at me like, "You sure you got everything?" I said, "Yeah, I, I still do." So that part of me hadn't gone away. I still have that. But I have to say, as I walked into the airport and I look around, I see everybody. I see the mask, and I'm looking around. First, of all, I'll say two things. First of all. The airport was not too busy, but busy enough. The changes in service in the airport were noticeable, but not too oppressive. It's not fun to fly with a mask over your face for three, four hours. Uh, but um, it, it was okay. And I, I can see why uh, people are traveling more now, even though hotels are still not bounced back to where they were in 2019. Those rates are still running about nine to 10% below that where they were. Air travel is down about 15 to 20% below where it was before. There's certainly been plenty of travel, particularly for people. One of the things I notice is how many people are traveling for work, how many people are traveling for pleasure. So I was traveling on a Friday when Oftentimes, you'll see a lot of business travelers getting heading home for the weekend. I was on a plane to Boston from Minneapolis, and and I would and I will say, three quarters of the plane were not business travelers, not pleasure travelers. They were college students going back going back to Boston. I saw shirts for for BU and BC and Harvard and Tufts and 
And uh, a couple of places even saw a Dartmouth shirt. Uh, shout out to my friends from powerlineblog.com because uh, they're Dartmouth kids uh, first back from the early 70s. Uh, and and anyway, I, 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 I will say, if you, think, if you think you listen to my show because you're interested in the economy, my first observation is, I didn't see says I didn't see so many business travelers as I thought I might on Friday. Now I'm flying again. I flew again on Sunday. Um, I think I probably had one. Now I don't have any of the students because there are not many students going in the opposite direction to a Minnesota university. Besides which, university up here isn't starting for you know at, at the U isn't starting till after Labor Day. Um, but, uh, but even for places like, uh, our private schools in the Twin Cities, they are not opening up for another week yet. Um, they weren't opening up for another week at that time when, when I was flying. So it was, you just didn't see too many, but I'd argue that maybe both planes were completely full, including the middle seat, but I'd say still two thirds of that plane were leisure travelers, perhaps had gone on vacation somewhere in New England and come back. Now, I was going to, I got on a plane for the first time. Why did I get on the plane? I went to see a niece's wedding. And it was, it was, it was beautiful. It was a great time. They were up in the, they were up in the, uh, just off of Lake Winnipesaukee, uh, in an area, an area in New Hampshire. Uh, I stayed in a bed and breakfast in Center Harbor, which is just a postcard. And I will tell you, if you ever have the chance to go to Lake Winnipesaukee and discover the lakes around Laconia, New Hampshire, you should go. Um, and don't be fooled by the pictures in What About Bob? Because that wasn't shot. They set, they tell you they're at Lake Winnipesaukee, but they shot that film in Virginia thanks to the film credits that Virginia offers. So, so another lesson to learn. Don't always assume that those movies are made in the places they tell you they're made. That movie is not a New Hampshire movie. That's a Virginia movie. Uh, but when I people say, where's Lake Winnipesaukee? I say, what about Bob? They're like, oh, yeah, I love the scenery in that. Well, that's great, but that actually isn't New Hampshire. Um, anyway, uh, I get back Sunday night, Monday morning. We open, we're open for classes here at St. Cloud State. And I was... I'm super excited. So next thing to observe. Last year at this time, and I remember being here on, on the Biz 1440 talking to you here on the King Banyan show and saying, boy, it feels kind of weird here. It's, it's the hallways are have some students in it, but not too, too many. And we probably only had about 25% of our classes, at least in the school that I operate, which has got about 800 majors, but we serve... We serve somewhere around, uh, tw- oh gosh, probably about three to 4,000 students in one class or another uh, here every semester. We, you know, we probably only had about a quarter of those classes here, uh, here on campus, and everything else was some version of online. Maybe it was, a, maybe, maybe a faculty member was here, but your attendance in the class, or you could be watching it. later because we recorded it uh and if in in either case in either case there just weren't students here um i'm actually recording this for you now because my my schedule is kind of crazy and for the next few months we're probably going to be recording a few times we're gonna have a few uh we're gonna have a few best ofs uh my i'm i'm just flying 
I'm just I'm not flying anywhere else, but I I have to be in the Twin Cities in meetings on Saturdays sometimes, and there's a, and I have a long planned vacation for some time during the month of September. So we'll be we'll be providing you with uh, various uh, ways to get you the show. We'll keep we'll keep this coming to you. Of course, next weekend next weekend will be Job Saturday, so we are not going to whiff on that. In fact, I believe we plan to be live next Saturday to do the show but this week we're actually taping free so it's thursday afternoon up here and thursdays thursdays students don't wake up too early but too early but uh usually they have class and they'll have a class at 11 or and and or a class at 12 30 they'll get their two of their classes in uh and they just meet between 11 and 145 and half their schedule might be done by then uh pretty good life if you can get it but we have not had a lot of students around here until I walked downstairs about 10:45 this morning I was coming back from from I had someone visit my office and I was walking them back out uh, because they didn't know their way around campus I want to get them back out to the bright parking ramp to, for them to get their car and I turn I start to come back and I look around it's like oh my gosh where did all these students come from? I go in, and so rather than go the back door, which lets me slip into my office without without going through uh, a lot of the traffic, I wanted to go through the traffic. I wanted to see what was happening here. And, I mean, yeah, heavens to Murgatroyds, it was busy. We had people, we had lots of students sitting in hallways, playing with their cell phones, walking three or four abreast down the hallway, if you're now, we are requiring all our students to wear masks, both in a classroom and in, in any other inside building. Um, I actually try to model for my students that the minute I walk outside, I take the mask off. Half my students leave their mask on as they go from go from building to building. I'm like, man, let your face breathe. Take that mask off. So I'm 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 walking around outside, but as soon as I get in, I sort of got. Have you mastered sort of the how you slip the mask on? You now got it, so it's super quick. It just feels like a second nature to you, a move you've been doing your entire life. Well, I got it down. Uh, so that's kind of fun to do. Um, so I went ahead and, and, and walked through that hallway, and it's busy here. And so here's my basic point, and why am I spending so much time talking to you about, about what's going on on the campus here? And, and and my trip. My point is, people who are uh, the people who are in fact getting services, younger people particularly, are back out in the in, they're back out in society and they're doing their things. I think, and my reaction from seeing what I, what's happened here is, when I hear people talking about. You know, the economy is really going to have to is going to slow down, slow down a lot because of Delta. I didn't see too, too, too much of that. What I saw was people wearing masks into restaurants, even if they did the the mask was not required in a restaurant. I in 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 New Hampshire, I found a place that made a made a fabulous macchiato, and I went there three different times and. You know, I wore the mask in the first two times, and I saw some people wear masks and some people not. The third time I walked in, I just actually just forgot to bring my mask with me, and I walked in. No reaction. It was perfectly fine. There were people with masks. There were people without masks. Didn't seem to even matter what age they are. Um, but 
I do think that the issues that in with the economy slowing down regarding the supply chain, regarding the worker shortage, I think those are real. So when I hear people talk about Delta variant, that's what I call call a demand issue as opposed to workforce and supply chain issues, which I call a supply issue, supply side issue. And so here's what we're going to do this the rest of this hour. I want to pretend, because I don't get to teach really except for when I do this show, I want to pretend for you that you're doing a class with me and that I'm back in the classroom, which would be fantastic. And it's the first day of class. And I want to talk to you as as a first-year student about why this class of economics that you've you've signed up for and probably had to sign up for, why is that going to be fun for you? I'm going to tell you why it's going to be fun. We're going to tell you all about that. So we're going to pretend to be in class right after this. You are listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. National Football League, it means no free lunch. If you put the little thing over it, yes, it means no, no free lunch. But whatever. Um, Then I would write the third one down, and it would read MB equals MC. I would use a little equal sign. So MB equals MC. So you would see 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 letters plus an equal sign and maybe the little no symbol. And that's all that's on the board. I never write another thing on the board. What does that MB equals MC thing mean? It means that it means that um, marginal benefit equals marginal cost. That's the direct translation of that little equation. And so I tell people, you, you don't, I said, at some point in the class, and we're not going to do it today, we're going to teach you that this is, the profit-maximizing principle that both businesses and households use to make economic decisions. This is their decision rule. I will do anything up to where the marginal benefit is equal to the marginal cost. And if marginal benefit is greater than marginal cost, I'm going to want to do more of it. And if marginal cost is greater than marginal benefit, I'm going to look for how I can do less of it. Now, that is, that is uh, something that takes a long time to learn, I tell them. Um, that takes a long time to learn. And that process of learning is going to be, uh, that process of learning is going to be what you do in my class. We're going to learn how to apply the marginal benefit, the, the marginal principle. But let me explain to you very briefly what it means by way of example. One day... I went to a baseball game, and I was sitting in the seats that a friend of mine had told me would be open, but I didn't actually have a ticket for. It turned out the tickets were, were in the possession of his father, and these seats were seats for the company that his father worked for. 
And so my friend had warned me, if someone else from the company comes there, you're going to have to leave those seats and go back to your own, but, but they might be open. So sure enough, someone approaches the seat, and I'm like getting, getting up like, oh, shoot, I'm going to have to go back to my other seats, which are in the nosebleed section. These are down. These are box seats that are pretty close to the field. But with luck, it turns out to be my friend's father. And he's actually alone. And he says, no, please, stay king. We'll have a nice time. And so, so he sits down next to me. We're chatting about the game. And all of a sudden, the, the, the hot dog vendor comes by and says, can I? And he says, oh, I'm hungry. I want a hot dog. King, would you like a hot dog? I said, yeah, I, yeah, I would like a hot dog. That'd be great. And so, and so he orders two hot dogs. I go for my wallet. He says, no, 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 no. I'll buy. Don't worry. I'll buy. Uh, keep your wallet in your pocket today. I, I'll take care of the hot dogs. So my friend likes his hot dogs. And every time the vendor comes by, he's buying one for himself and one for me. And and someone, you know, and and come the seventh inning or eighth inning, he's still into the hot dogs. He's now on number five or number six. But by this time, he's like, "Do you want another hot dog?" And I'm like, "No, Mister A. I'm not. I can pronounce his last name, but his name began with an A. So, no, Mister A. I'm." pretty full i'm not having any more hot dogs that first hot dog tasted really 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 good but that second one was a little less it gave me a little less satisfaction the word marginal that we use in this this thing of marginal benefit equals marginal cost margin marginal means additional all right that first hot dog tastes great that second hot dog tastes good too but chances are, in terms of benefit or satisfaction I get from it, the second hot dog gives me less satisfaction than the first one. The third one gives me less satisfaction than the second. What you'll learn in my class is this idea that there is diminishing marginal utility from getting more of any good. As I get more of something, the additional satisfaction I get from the next unit of that good is lower than the one I got before. And that's an assertion that we can kind of demonstrate through all kinds of economic experiments. But I typically won't go too deep into this with a student because the hot dog story typically works. So that marginal benefit is always declining. Now, what was the marginal cost in my story? The marginal cost was zero. I could get as much of it as I wanted at a zero price. Now imagine instead of them being hot dogs at the stadium, imagine you are the producer of cars and in your cars you need, you need computer chips to run all the electronics in your cars. You may, you may be well aware as a listener to the King Banyan show here on the Biz 1440 that to do, to make cars you need lots of chips and you may know that those chips are largely produced in China, particularly in Taiwan. Um, and that right now there's a huge shortage in the number of chips that are available. So as I go ahead and try to produce more cars because the price of cars has skyrocketed, people are demanding cars left and right. People are in fact, people are in fact, uh, um, finding it harder and harder to find chips. So what's happening is there's a shortage of cars out there. And the reason for the shortage of cars is the shortage of chips. 
as new cars are being not available, people are looking around again, right? People respond to incentives. New car prices go up dramatically. What happens? People look around and say, what could I buy instead? Well, a used car is almost as good as a new car, so I'm going to go buy a used car. Well, guess what? Now, all of a sudden, the price of used cars goes up, and indeed, used cars are rising in prices faster than the new cars are. But that's all because the marginal cost of getting additional chips rises. So normally, in a normal market, what we normally see is that the marginal cost of getting something rises. The marginal benefit falls. And where's the place where I'm going to do it? Well, as long as the marginal benefit is greater than the marginal cost, to me, remember, right? Costs are always cost to somebody. Things don't have a cost. Actions have costs. As long as the marginal benefit to me is greater than the marginal cost to me, I'm going to keep wanting to do more of it. But if there's diminishing marginal utility, marginal benefits are falling. And in many markets, marginal costs are rising. At some point, those two are going to touch each other. The marginal benefit will equal the marginal cost. And that, in fact, is the place where you should stop doing any more of that particular activity you will reach a point where even if it's the even if the marginal cost is zero like my hot dog story there's a point where you're satiated you've just had enough hot dogs and you don't want any more and that's perfectly fine and that's actually the third principle so let me review those principles one more time for you self-interest or in other words people respond to incentives two there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. Everything has a cost, and actions have a cost. Actions have a cost, not things. And then lastly, do something up to the point where the marginal benefit you receive from it is equal to the marginal cost. And if you do that, you'll always end up maximizing your satisfaction, and that'd be great. Stay tuned. You can maximize more satisfaction with more of the King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. Well, no, I'm not teaching the golden rule, but I'm teaching it here on the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440, where it's opening week of university, and I am uh, really kind of excited to have uh, an opportunity to talk to you today here on the King Banyan Show. Um, I... I will t- so I'm the goal of this hour is to give you a feel for what it would be like to be in a classroom where you were learning economics maybe for the first time. Now that's probably not true for most students in Minnesota because in Minnesota economics is a course that all our students are required to take somewhere in high school at least for two terms of a trimester system. Um, so you, you would have gotten it probably a little bit somewhere. Um, and hopefully you got it from somebody who is a well-trained uh, high school teacher who's been trained in economics. There's some fabulous high school economics teachers out there. I, I'm blessed in my in my work to have met a few of them, uh, a few right here in my in my immediate area, and a few around the state as well. Uh, I what for a very brief period of time. Um, I was a uh, director of a center for economic education that provided assistance to uh, to K twelve teachers who were interested in economics. So, uh, 
anyway, let me let me let me go ahead and do this now. Let's pretend that we are in my classroom, and I've introduced myself. I'm I'm King Bing, and I'm a professor here at St. Cloud State University. I currently serve as the dean of School of Public Affairs, which is four departments within the university, including economics. So the, I'm in my home school, and this is in, but I'm currently taking a little time away from the dean's office so I can come and teach you right now. So. So welcome to economics. How many of you know what economics is? Show of hands. Okay, what do you have to say for yourself? Okay, so I tell people, I think economics is really only three things. And that if you can understand how to apply these three things really, 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 really well, you can, in fact, practice economics with anyone. You'll do as well as anyone. So... Here you are in my class, and I'm telling you that if you really understand every bit of this particular lecture, you might not have to come to another lecture ever again. Now, side note to my radio listeners, we'd love you to come back next week for Job Saturday here on the King Banging Show on the Biz 1440, but let's, hop, let's pop back up into my pretend classroom. Okay, so pretend classroom, here's what we're going to, here's what we're going to start with. The first of these three things that I believe you have to know really, really, really well uh, in order to um, uh, in order to be an economist. The first one is self-interest. Now, self-interest in economics is used as an assumption of what motivates human behavior. Tied to it, maybe the corollary of self-interest is that people respond to incentives. Right. If you offer me, if you offer to sell me something for more money, I, you know, you want more money to buy something. My reaction is to that incentive is, how could I buy less of that? What options might I have to do that to buy something instead? Buy something else instead. Okay. But my point being, incentives really matter. Indeed. I sometimes tell people if I had not gone into economics, if I had not decided to go, which I decided very late in my college career, that I would go to graduate school in economics. It was not my intention. Even at the beginning of my senior year, I didn't think I was going to go to graduate school in economics. Um, if I could have gone back to earlier, I might have chosen at that time to become a psychologist and particularly a social psychologist because I have to say nowadays, if I could go back and be an undergraduate student again, I probably would go into psychology rather than economics. And people say, well, don't you like doing economics? No, I love economics. But I don't need to go, I don't need to go back and learn that. I can learn everything I learned from there in psychology, but I would learn some more things that I found really interesting that I learned later after getting my doctorate in economics. And so people will say, really, that's interesting. So what would those things be? What would those have been uh, for you? And so I thought, I, thought, uh, th I thought one of them would be this. So I tell my students this, for example. I would give them a newspaper article that was in the uh, St. Paul Pioneer Press. Uh, this was published on uh, the 24th. Um, on, on, on Tuesday. And the title of the piece written by Christopher Megan is 
Some 80,000 people claimed $100 vaccine reward. First paragraph. Nearly 80,000 Minnesotans got a COVID-19 vaccine thanks to an incentive program that paid recipients $100 for getting inoculated. The roughly $8 million needed to pay the incentives will come from the state's federal coronavirus relief aid. Okay, so... I would use this story to tell you two things. First of all, how many people you think decided to get the vaccine because of the $100 reward? Now, a student might answer me, well, you just said it was $80,000. i am like, yeah, but here's the question. How many people would have gotten the vaccine without the $100, without the $100 reward? So the next sentence gives us a little bit of a hint. The program helped to almost double the state's vaccination rate to nearly 5,000 shots per day, up from 2,700 per day in July. So that's 2,300 shots per day at at $100 per shot. That's $230,000 per day. And so they had run that, they had run that particular program, um, they ran that particular program, and I'm trying to remember the date at which they started the program. Um, I believe they started it right around the first of the month. So that would have run for about three weeks, 2300 So let's just say it ran for 20 days. $230,000 a day times, times 20 days comes out to about, it comes out to about, I don't know, about 2300 well, I guess I have the numbers not quite right. They said nearly 80,000, 2,300 a day. They said 2,700 had gotten it in July. So if I had run 2,700 a day for the first 20 days in July, um, I probably would have given out uh, somewhere around, four, I'm doing my math in my head, it's always dangerous, 5,400 shot, 54,000 shots. Is that right? 54,000 shots. So I got an extra 26,000 shots handed out. Uh, 26,000 shots handed out. Um, and so the program really only added 2,300 shots per day, not 5,000 shots per day. So take the 80,000. It probably is closer to 36,000 shots that were created. That's very different. But we still incentivize maybe 23,000 shots a day. 20, maybe, we, maybe we incentivize 30, 33,000, 34,000 extra shots. But what about the fact that Delta was rising? How many more people would have gotten the shot because people were responding to the incentive that came from the fact that infection rates were going up? You were getting lots of reports of increased caseloads and all the news is filled with Delta. Would some of those people have have gotten more shots anyway? So that maybe that 2,700 2, shots per day wouldn't have gone to 5,000, but maybe it would have gone to, what, 3,500, 4,000? Well, the secret to that would be let's take a look to see some other state that didn't pay the vaccine bonus but still was experiencing an increase in caseloads. Well, that's what economists do. Economists try to tease out 
the effect of the vaccine and pull that out of the data from the other things that might have caused vaccine rates to rise. We have in, in economics this term for this. We, we use these Latin words called ceteris paribus. They're Latin for all other things being equal. And they're kind of like magic words. We just sort of say, well, we know that if you pay more, va- if, if you pay people an extra hundred bucks, there's some subset of these students, of these uh, um, people who got the shot, who will be incentivized to get it. But given that, that the rate of infection went up, uh, was going up in August, chances are it's not all 2,300 of that difference. It's some number smaller than that. So all of a sudden, net effect. I mean, we're, we're going to give everybody $100, even if it turns out we're going to be, no matter what their reason for getting it, if you got the shot, you got the 100 bucks. But chances are we only incentivized a lot less than 80000 might have been 10000 might have been 15000 might have been 20000 It's almost certainly not 40000 and it's, it's absolutely not 80000 but we, we, we did that because when people respond to incentives, remember, in our world, there's more incentive than just a check. Incentives come in all shapes and sizes. Maybe some people got the shot because their cousin told them, you really should get the shot, and this time, this time that cousin was convincing. Maybe those, those increased infection rates from the Delta variant convinced some people, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I've been putting it off. I should go get the shot. I'm going to go get the shot. Right. And so that might have caused that, too. There are all kinds of reasons for people to get the shot. All of those are changing over time in economics. We have to tease out those little impacts here and there to figure out what when we're going to how much that impact is. That's what economics does. So we're going to take a little pause out of my classroom right now. And we'll be back after this with more on the King Banging Show on the biz 1440. Welcome back, King Daniels Show. The Biz 1440. You're actually in Econ 1 today. As school has started here at uh, the university. And I'm just going to leave it the university because you could just imagine being in any first day economics class that participate in this hour. Um, so I've been going through three exa- three things you need to know to really know economics. So the first one is, again... Again, self-interest, S-I, self-interest. I used to put this up just on the board. I'd put S-I. This is back in the days when we had Chuck. S-I. Then the next thing I'd write below it is NFL. And so people would think, oh, I'm in a sports class, Sports Illustrated, National Football League. Nope, NFL. And then later on, I started to spell it all out uh, as T-A-N-S-T-F-L. There is no such thing as a free lunch, Tanstoffel, and a lot of people use it. And so sometimes when I put this on the board, that's why I put up the NFL instead, because I put T-A-N-S-T-A-A-F-L, people would go, oh, I heard that before. There ain't no such thing as a free lunch. It is amazing how few people actually know what that means. What does it mean? It means that everything has an opportunity cost. 
everything is a, has a cost. And the way I reason I say that is, is because you think of the cost of something, you're typically thinking of a price tag. I had a friend of mine who went to. I was talking to. I was talking to, uh, to Sean off uh, uh, offline here, and and I talked about my friend who went to a concert uh, just this past week uh, at Target Field, and he's he's um, a middle aged guy who's got elderly parents, for whom he and his he and his significant other are the primary caretakers, and so these. And these parents are in their 90s. And so he's been really, really, really good about not being, not being a, uh, uh, not being a risk taker when it comes to COVID because he wants to make sure he doesn't infect them. Okay, that's his perception that his narrative is I'm being very safe to take care, take care of um, my significant other's parents. Cool. Before COVID came, he bought tickets to that concert that had, oh gosh, uh, Third Eye Blind, uh, uh, um, Green Day, uh, um, Fall Out Boy. Yeah, it was at Target Field. It was early this week. Okay. Not my style of music, but it was his. And he bought those tickets. The concert was supposed to be in August of 2020. And of course, the concert didn't happen in August of 2020. But rather than rather than than uh, uh, cancel it, they just told everybody, hold on the tickets, we're going to put the concert on later. And they put it on this past week. My friend went to the concert and then later expressed regret because he's like, I didn't realize how many people were going to be there and how many how few people were going to wear masks. And, I, I, you know, and yes, I could talk to my friend about, man, it's a target field, it's outside. It should be okay. Yeah, but we were all crowded to each other. But where were you sitting? Well, I was sitting up in I was sitting up in the Delta Sky Club. I'm like, dude, you're probably in the safest place in the whole place because you're away from a lot of the people. Now, I can tell you, I probably have a little more relaxed attitude than he does. But you couldn't get me to go in the mosh pit if there was a mosh pit. I saw the pictures. He took some pictures, and there was a real crowd around that stage. Uh, and I looked at it and said, you know what? You wouldn't get me to stand down there, but, but from where my friend was sitting up in the stands, it's like, yeah, I'd probably go there. That'd probably be okay. Right. And so I kind of probed him a little bit to say, so, so, you know, and got him to talk about the experiences. Yeah, I didn't know. I said, well, could you have sold the tickets? Could you have done this? Could they, were they electronic tickets? Could they have checked for... Could they have checked? Because I said, I said, so you recognize, right? You know, in a stadium with 20,000 people, you probably can't police everyone wearing a mask all the time. You might be able to make sure they're all wearing a mask as they come into the stadium. But at some point, they're just milling around and good luck, right? Let alone require them to be vaccinated. To, to have vaccination. I said, how would you police that? What would it take to do that? And he was, and he was sympathetic to that. And he, and then finally he said, yeah, but I had these tickets and they were all, I, I, I had these tickets in my head. So it's like the, 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 and he's used the words that, that, you know, it's like catnip to the economist. Those tickets were free. I say catnip because, you know, what would I say? 
There ain't no such thing as a free lunch. That's what I would say. There is no such thing as a free lunch. What would I, I, so I said, you know, so what I said was, was there no way for you to, to scalp those tickets? And he's like, I don't know. I don't think I'd have gotten face value for them. I said, no. But the cost of going to the cost of going to the concert was far more than the price of the tickets. Because, yeah, once you've got the tickets in your hand, if you don't go, it's like I wasted that money. Well, here's my point. What the cost of the ticket at that moment is irrelevant because that's a cost you paid in the past. That's what we call sunk costs. And there's the fallacy of the sunk cost that we teach in economics. Once you've paid the cost, that's now in the past. So the decision is, do I want to see a concert and expose myself to some risk of, of, of contagion of COVID? Or do I want to miss the concert, not have that fun experience, but keep myself safer from COVID? That's the relevant decision-making point. It's no longer the case that the cost of the ticket should matter to you. The only relevant margin, okay, the only relevant cost is a future cost, not a current cost. So no free lunch. Okay, come on. You know people who you will not go to lunch with even if they're buying. Right? We all know that person. Don't name them. Don't Particularly don't say it in front of your significant other, your wife or husband. Don't say it. But we all know there's a, there's somebody like, nah, man, I, I, I don't care. I just can't go there. I'm just not, I'm not doing that. Right. So you wouldn't do that. But what you would do, which, but the point is all costs are future costs. Sunk costs are irrelevant to your decision. So I think what my friend was expressing, in fact, was this element of regret he did not, because because like me getting on the plane, and I will say, as I sat on the plane and had someone sitting right next to me, I'm like, oh, I thought the middle seats were empty on Delta. And then I'm like, and someone said, no, 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 they stopped doing that a couple months ago. Like, okay, well, I wasn't, but I said, I said to myself, I, maybe you think I was right, just rationalizing the decision I had already made, but it was like. I have not seen my family in 18 months. My niece is getting married, a lovely, a lovely young woman to a very nice young man who I had only met on Zoom calls since the pandemic started. I had not seen my brother. I had not seen my sister, as you folks will have heard who have listened to the show for some time will know. Uh, we lost our mother last, last, this last spring. And we had not had a time to come together since then. We're going to have a memorial service sometime later. And that's one of the reasons why I tell people we, we might be, I might be off. I might be putting a couple extra best ofs because I've, I've got to get a little time to, to do that work too. But what I will say to you is it wouldn't have mattered to me. I would have taken that risk anyway. Okay. But what was relevant at that moment wasn't the cost of the ticket. What was relevant was, am I willing to get on this plane and face this risk? And if I don't get on the plane, what do I lose in the future? 
what I would have lost, what I would have lost in the future was to see my niece get married and see my brother and my sister and my nieces and nephew. What I would not have, what, what, what my friend would have lost is an opportunity to see what sounded like a, a really good concert. Okay. Not my style of music. Okay. Again, I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I would never have gone anyway, but, but I'm not the market for that, for that concert. I'm, I'm, I think I'm a little too old, and I'm certainly not inclined to that style. It's not the time period I listen to a lot of music in. Uh, not that kind of music. I was I, I was listening to some some. I listened to very different music, and that just wasn't what I was doing at that time. However, what I when I think about how people make decisions, the sunk cost fallacy is a very very common issue right it's a very very common problem that people think that if i don't do this i will have wasted money i already spent the past that money's already gone on the plane going out when i left the plane i left behind my my kindle reader i left it on the plane it's gone and so I went online to say, what would it cost for me to replace it? And you know what, my heavens? That reader was on sale for $80. It's like, and I said, well, the very same reader was on sale for $80. And I said, would you spend $80 on one of those now? Or, would you, or, or do you just not use it very much? I said, you know what? I use that reader quite a bit. It's worth 80 bucks to me. And someone said, well, what would happen if they give it back? What happens if someone returns your old reader? I said, well, then I'll give this one to somebody else. But I don't want to be without a reader. So I ordered it. It's arrived. It's wonderful. I didn't get the old one back, by the way. And that's okay. But I don't think about the costs I paid in the past. That money's gone. That decision has been made. So in my class, I teach students. The sunk cost fallacy on the first day of class, along with the fact that every action has a cost. Every action has a cost. And the, the good economist thinks about those costs in terms of something in the future rather than something in the past. Because if you think about the past costs all the time, you'll be led to make some pretty poor decisions. We'll be back with the third element in my class of, of three things in economics right after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. Whoa, in a couple of days, the will take me away, but the press let the story leak. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.